all of it feeds into this media frenzy of what becomes a national story. I was dropping her off and mm-hmm. dad was mixing up hot chocolate and she goes marky are you mixing hot chocolate are you going to drink it and he goes no i'm going to put my feet in it and the look <laughs> on her face is like the fuck <laughs> like you could tell she was visualizing feet in like, hot chocolate why <laughs> she said, why would you do that <laughs> why so excuse me while i whip this out <laughs> <laughs> i need tits to hold my mic in place yeah you do yeah you do in five four three hey everybody this is daniel and this is daniel and this is carla we are a true crime podcast by hoosiers for hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what the fuck a hoosier is salutation snack (laughs) what is that from this is doubtfire oh okay well what's up Hello. Hello. What's going on? How is everybody? Hello, Gerald. How are you? Hello, Gerald. (laughs) I'm like pretty tired, but. Yeah, you had a wig party. I'm pretty Daniel. (sighs) You are pretty. You're pretty Daniel. (laughs) Yeah, we wore wigs out. Wigged out? You were wigged out? We were wigged out. It was pretty fun, actually. Did everyone just (coughs) wear a wig and you went around downtown? Yes. To bars? Mm hmm. The alarming thing was people You're one thought of those people. Yeah. People thought mine was real. You're They're like, like, Hey, love your hair. I'm like, it's a wig, clearly. It's Amazon hair. It's blue. Like <laughs> It was a pastel people blue. People were just trying to be nice, Carla. I know, but then I was like you obviously look like you're searching for a compliment of some sorts. That's the only reason I wore the wig out. I just needed compliments. Well. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Okay. Then I was then we were kinda like Sad when we went out last night. We're like, I kind of wish I had my wig on. And no one noticed you. You're just <laughs> one of the other people yeah, about. Just one has of it the... inspired you to dye your hair blue? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it has. Not against it. Who had rainbow hair? That was Kennedy. Okay. It was cute. <laughs> She's not going to dye her hair rainbow. No. <laughs> Wait, if you do, you need to record <clears throat> the first time your niece sees you with blue hair. <laughs> well, one time I got a spray tan and she was like, did you get a new body? I was like, what? what happened? What happened? What Did happened she... to you? Didn't she say that once? Yeah. Yes. What happened to your face? She <laughs> said that one time I, I just quickly just changed my shirt in front of her. I just had a, a brassiere on. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and was like, what happened yep. to you? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I was literally, I don't, I can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then you went say out. the darndest things. <laughs> you went out Did last night. Did you get a new body? <laughs> Body snatcher. Yeah. You went out last night? Yes. What was that? Uh, Rod Tough Curls in the Bench Press. So mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. probably said that to you at least 400 times. Yep. It's a cover band. I like him. Him? Them. It. Well, there's Rod. Yeah. He is one of the guys. He wears a Pokemon hat. Okay. I saw your Snapchat. And, and then like... there's CC Ryder, and he's kind of like the main singer guy. Okay. Who do and they cover? <clears throat> like everyone. Um, 
Then there's Happy. Sad? And he plays... No, he's pretty happy. Okay. And he plays the piano. And then there's Dick Celebrity, who's on the drums. Dick Celebrity. Mm-hmm. I would not be cast as the drummer, A, because I'm not happy, and B, I cannot drum. The drummer is Dick Celebrity. Oh, what's the other one? The piano player. I couldn't do either. <laughs> they cover like literally everything, like Disney songs, Queen popular songs they literally play the office theme song at one point well that's good and they always end with my favorite song which is from the classic movie dirty dancing (laughs) i've had the time of my life that's beautiful it is beautiful (laughs) (laughs) what did you do this week daniel uh i worked sorry i was attempting to show my i'm interested face (laughs) you just look high you same. leave me alone, it's late. There's the same face. There's <laughs> the same face. <laughs> I'm high or I'm interested or interested or high. You wouldn't know. <laughs> you don't know what's going on. So yeah. What did you do all week? Yeah. Oh fucking nothing, man. Nothing? I'll help mom make fucking posters for her rental properties that they ended up not using. Uh, too, you can't put them out right now anyway. It's gonna I know. Do, it's gonna it's snowing and raining. I just and won't shit. get back those four hours, okay? You're not gonna get those four hours mm-hmm. back. I'm pretty okay. nervous because it's supposed to rain a lot, and uh, the ceiling above my bed leaks pretty oh, bad. Yeah, <laughs> but it leaks where you couldn't put a bucket, right? It leaks down the wall. No, man, it just is a straight drip down. You on the could bed. get a bucket. I need to get a bucket. Maybe I'll do that and leave it there when I go to work tomorrow. Probably a good idea. Yeah. You should get that fixed. Yeah. Dad won't get on the roof anymore, will he? He can't. No. He won't and he can't. Don't look at me. <laughs> I ain't getting on no motherfucking roof. No motherfucking roof. Uh-uh. It'll just be me and mom doing it. You already can oh, yeah. see it now. Yep. She was trying to volunteer me to help fix that flat tire on her car. She has oh, a flat tire? Yeah. I had to go pick him up from Steak and Shake. He was like, "What are you? Where are you?" Because he texted me and was like, "Do you want breakfast?" Well, it usually means they're bringing me leftovers. That was totally. And I was like, "So then I interpreted it as they were inviting me to breakfast, and I missed it." Mm-hmm. Like, where are you? And I'm like, "I'm at home." He's like, "Oh, well, we have a flat tire." And he... So they didn't. They weren't trying to get you breakfast at mm-hmm. all. He did have breakfast, yeah. <laughs> he did. but I had to pick him up. And then they're talking about calling AAA. He's like, no, I bet we could do this. And mom goes, yeah, you and Danielle. I was like, no, not me and Danielle, because I spent all day yesterday helping you with posters. So I didn't have time to research for this podcast. Well, I did not. Glad they did not call me because it would have been a no for me, dog. A no for me, dog. Hands down, no. So what they do? Fuck if I know. (laughs) All I know is when I pulled into the driveway, I started texting mom. I was like, where are you? We're dropping our daughter off like, you know. And then I got it in the house, and she was right there. Yeah, because your car is not there. I've done that before. I'm like, why the fuck, mom, not home? What? I'm dri- as I'm driving her car. Uh, what the fuck is mom? Oh, mom, where are you? What are you doing? Who are you with? <laughs> it's like it's like as a child, you have a right to know what your parents are doing at all times. Mm-hmm. Where are you? They want to know where I am all the time. Now I want to know where they are. I don't think they care anymore about no. us. Mm-mm. <laughs> I can say Riley puked on herself. Oh. Uh, in an Uber? On. In the Uber. In the Uber. Who puked in the Uber? Riley puked on herself. In an Uber. Do they but charge like, you? Do you get sent? Do you get charged for throwing up in the back of an Uber? Yeah, normally, but it was only on her, so. Oh. They charge you for the smell? 
Okay, if you're going to throw up in an Uber, make sure you throw up on yourself. Yeah. Or then, tell them. I've just told them before. Like, I need to throw up. You need to pull over. Okay. And they're like... They're like, gladly. Gladly pull over. Throw up on yourself. The impulse is to throw up to the side of you, but just throw up On yourself. She did a yourself. really good job. Unfortunately, I was asleep next to her and it didn't wake me up. <laughs> Nothing wakes you up, man. It truly doesn't. But then we got to... They were like, we're here. And I was like... And I took one look at her. I was like, I truly ran. I just ran into my house. <laughs> to get away from her? Yeah. And then she was in the back. I like, well, first I like was get, I got her some clothes and I was like, here, put these on. And she's in my bathroom. She's looking at me. She's like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, Riley, take your clothes off. I can't. <laughs> Riley's a nurse, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can't. And I was like, Riley, just take them off and put it, just put them in the bathtub. I can't. And then she just got in the bathtub. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to bed. Yep, you figure it out <laughs> from then, here. And then, you know, she must have figured it out because I woke up and she was in my bed with me. <laughs> I wish, did she take her vomit clothes yeah, off? Yeah, she did. But okay. I was like, whoa, there's a couch you can sleep on, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was a good night. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. She got two Jimmy John sandwiches. And Our lives bubble. are so boring. Oh, yeah. And I love it. We do absolutely nothing. We, That's not entirely true. That's we talk, not true. We talk about doing things. <clears throat> I try not to do this stuff every weekend. No, I feel like you haven't done anything in a while. We just had this one whole weekend planned out. It's like, we're going to do that, and then we're going to go to Broad Tub, and then now I don't have plans until uh, St. Patrick's Day. What about Valentine's Day? Yeah, I don't have plans for those either. That's oh, what I was going go to talk yeah, about. Yeah, there we go. You can go to Hooters, Carla, and get free wings because you're single. What? Yep. Oh, my. I will do that. Tits out. Actually, they probably don't want girls to come. No. <laughs> mm. No, Hooters is trying to be more uh, family friendly. I freaking love Hooters. Mm-hmm. So Daniel and I were going to go separate. Just No, just like. Uh, <laughs> and pretend to meet there like a meet cute. Oh, my God. Just yeah. like drinking is not worth the hangover to me. Eating Hooters is not <laughs> worth the diarrhea you get before you get to your car. You mm-hmm. just have to know if you're going to go eat something like that, your butthole's going to fall out. I just get like a cheeseburger or something. Yeah. Their wings are freaking delicious, though. They have the fried pickles. Fried pickles are good. The, mm-hmm. Their grilled chicken sandwiches are pretty good, too. And the waitresses are always so nice. They, they write their are. names on cocktail and napkins. And they kind of lean halfway on the stool, like they're leaning in to get to know you better. I enjoy but they when a stranger puts her boobs on my arm. It ain't bad. <laughs> Things could be worse. <laughs> Things could be worse than a strange boob on your arm. I mean, that's not necessarily the Feels downside. Feels like a warm bag of sand. <laughs> that's a warm bag of pudding. Pudding. Pudding yeah. is going to be a more accurate representation. Forty-year-old <laughs> virgin. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. What? I was thinking now and then when they fill the balloons with pudding for fake boobs. <laughs> So that this episode comes out on Valentine's Day. Okay, that's why. So is it about love? It is about. Is it about love. sex, drugs, and rock and roll? No rock and roll. Every good story could use some rock and roll, but that's okay. So I chose to do <clears throat> a killer couple for Valentine's Day. Dramatic dun, dun, dun. music for effect. We don't celebrate Valentine's Day. I just get Valentine's Day candy. That's fine for myself. So this that's tell me that's not the same. That's a yeah. form of celebration. Like, I don't expect Daniel to go to CVS before he gets home from work because he forgot to get me a card. Oh, well, yeah, that's shit's yeah. kind of stupid. It's like, just don't. Thank God. Just don't. 
Except what, tell what do you story. do with the what do you do with the card after you get it? Throw it away. That's like there's nothing else to do with it. People try to save everything and anything. A guy I work with had a stalker. This is my favorite. <laughs> and she sent him flowers on Valentine's Day. A nice Which is setup. strange. Like in a vase and everything. Yeah, and he was going to I go, "What are you going to do with those?" Probably just gonna throw them away. I'm like, can I have them? My girlfriend would really think this is funny. Yeah, we were a girlfriend boy. Were we even engaged? We, nah, we might have been engaged. Maybe. And I really did. I think there's a picture of those flowers on my Instagram still. Like, I miss those flowers. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. If I only want flowers if there's gonna be a good story, story. attached to it. And I, when you came home, I was like, what are you doing? Like, don't buy me shit on Valentine's Day. And you're like, no, no, no. It's good. You'll like it. <laughs> no, no. Don't worry. I didn't buy you anything. <laughs> Okay, well, tell me about this killer couple. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Galentine's Day. That's even worse. <laughs> Don't say that to me. The year, my friends, is 2000. Wow. What will happen? We don't know. The world Does the world end? We that, don't know. Oh, yeah. Matching denim outfits were cool. Wow. I always look at the style of the period and think that we grew out of the... 90s all of a sudden when it turned into the 2000s. I think that's 100% what happened. (laughs) I don't know. No, no. Fashion took a little longer to turn into the garbage I wore in high school. I don't understand why we had such a horrible fashion period. Oh, it was so bad. Low-rise jeans. Pleather pants. They don't make sense. Chunky sandals. You had chunky sandals and tube tops. Lots of pastels. Yeah. The I love pastel sandals. tube tops. <laughs> <laughs> but the chunky sandals, mm. they went with every outfit. No, they didn't. They did. <laughs> because they didn't, they did. So 2000, what was I? A freshman? An eighth grader? No. You were a freshman? You'd have been in eighth grade. Eighth grade. Eighth grade, I was Wait. in first grade mm-hmm. or second grade or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Second. It's 2000 in Indiana. And a couple, Joshua Maxwell, 22, and Tessa McFarland, 21. So they're pretty, really young couple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have begun an intense and romantic relationship together. Intense. Most of what I got was from Wicked Attraction and Killer Couples. I used to sit I, when in Plainfield in the sewing room. Then I had a sewing room. I would have my old yeah, laptop open. Well, I sewed and had Wicked Attractions on, like, loud. Yeah. Because you didn't have to watch, because it's just crummy reenactments. You could right. just listen, you know, pre-podcast, PP. Anyways, Josh had taken a wrong turn early in life, having run away from home often. He ended up being arrested for felony theft in January of 1991, escaping from a juvenile center months later. Dang. Josh had been arrested twice for car theft and was also arrested for possession of a gun in 1995. Rap sheet, rap sheet. Josh's upbringing was tumultuous from day one. Josh was abused from a young age. He came from a very volatile family. Still grinding though. Right where I'm at. That's where I'm going. It was rough. A lot of drugs involved. Dad was kind of a rough kind of guy. Wanted things his way, you know. Dad would not mind, you know, best our bet in front of people. To escape the abuse, Josh often ran away from home. He would run to the streets. My dad would hunt him down. We would walk the tracks for Josh, and when we'd find him, you know, he, he wasn't supposed to run away. You know, he's supposed to stay at home. 
As he grew into his late teens, Josh slipped even further into darkness. He joined in in drugs, trying to mask whatever he was trying to run from. He needed money, he would start stealing. I mean, he kept going to jail, so with the time on the streets running away and then the time being in jail, he finally became an adult. After more than two years in prison, 21-year-old Josh was released and decided to strike out on his own. He had many girlfriends and at least two children. Somewhere I read three. Some at least. Two. Does at he least. not know for sure? He might, probably doesn't. But he blamed his violent behavior on the fact that his father was an abusive drug addict and an unstable home life. We all got problems. Mm-hmm. Both Josh and Tessie, which I will struggle to remember that name. Testy? Tessie? Tessie? Mm-hmm. Isn't there a seahorse named Tessie? Maybe. In the movie... Or not a seahorse, but like Loch Ness Monster or something. Oh, Nessie. Nessie. Oh. You were close, I guess. I was close. Both Josh and Tessie were young parents. Tessie had battled a crack crack cocaine addiction and was convicted of theft when she was eight months pregnant and eventually split with the father of her baby. I don't know if she thought they wouldn't press charges because she was eight months pregnant. I think she stole a co-worker's wallet. Filled up her car with gas. I was like, that's really anticlimactic to go through all the trouble to steal something. Yeah. Yeah. Tessie's father had died when she was two, and her mother remarried when she was five, and she gained three step-siblings, one of whom- I thought you were going to say she gained 300 pounds. (laughs) She might have. No, no, she didn't. She may, I mean, she may have. The three stepsisters may have equal 300 300 pounds. 300 pounds, yes. One of whom would go on to date Joshua Maxwell before her. One and of those. They say date when I really think they mean fornicate. Oh. Oh. Fornicate. Oops. So you and your sister and her <laughs> sharing Oops. sharing wieners. Yeah. Passing the wiener back and forth. I like that. She had a fairly normal childhood growing up in Wanamaker, Indiana. Wanamaker. Where's Wanamaker? It's uh, It's in Wanamaker. Yeah. It's farther out. That pumpkin patch we like. Mm-hmm. South, is there. South, southeast, something like that. That's mm-hmm. a guess. I don't know. I don't feel like Wanamaker's farther away. No, because it's got that Waterman's Pumpkin Patch. Ah, I got it. And Southeast Way Park like, mm-hmm. is right yeah. there. They called it rural. And I was like, I feel like Wanamaker. I mean, maybe back it is. then. Yeah. yeah. It's getting on the outskirts of the city. Mm-hmm. However, she never completed high school and her mother got divorced from her stepfather who didn't speak to Tessie for two years. So it's like he raised her from the age of five on up into high school and all of a sudden he, they get a divorce so he doesn't have to be a dad anymore cool and it's like so i think that really fucked her up which it would she stated i started to become involved with an older group of people and i wanted to emulate the people they hung out with cool kids they might oh, have not well. been the most enriching group of people maybe not cool kids maybe. on the block there you go had a bunch of kicks chinese food makes me sick and I think it's cool when girls stop by for the summer. Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Tessie McFarland found herself a 20-year-old single mother. She started stripping at the... Lusty Leopard. Nope. The at Classy the... Chassis. No. Nope. No, the Red Room. No, what's that fucking called? Silk and Lace. Uh, the Silken... Nope. She was at the Silken nope. Lace. No, what's the room down... The Red Room downtown. Mm-hmm. She wasn't that classy. Oh. The Brass Flamingo. Oh, the Brass Flamingo. <laughs> Some good times of the bla- 
the blast flamango. <laughs> so good you can't even say it right. <laughs> we own a brass flamingo. What? Just kidding. Okay. I was like, you own one of the strippers? What? Love it. Go on. <laughs> uh, she met Josh, who had been out of prison for about five months now, nice. when he showed up at her apartment looking for her sister. Because Let me guess. He was he was different than since he's been in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's changed. Prison but changed him. He was looking for her sister because they were most likely bumping uglies, and he was there to hit it and quit it. That's nice. So at her apartment, she said, I hate to say love at first sight because it sounds so cliche, but um, there was almost an instant attraction. <laughs> we were kind of like magnets, you know? Yeah, you know. You know? Yeah. So all of a sudden, he says... I don't want to fuck your sister anymore. I want to fuck you. Cool. And she goes, I'm down to clown. <laughs> and she said it just like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was the most intelligent thing she ever said. <laughs> you do want to experience things that you haven't been able to do. I hadn't dated, really. My son's father, he's my first major boyfriend. You want to kind of get out back on the dating scene. Um, but having a small child, of course, keeps you from doing that as much. Just when Tessie seemed to be at her lowest point, she received a knock on her front door that would change her life forever. Somebody gave Josh my address, and he actually stopped by, and that's when I actually met him. 21-year-old Josh Maxwell had shown up on Tessie's doorstep looking for her sister. But as soon as Josh and Tessie laid eyes on one another... Any thoughts of Tessie's sister were immediately forgotten. There was almost an odd... I I hate to say love at first sight. I I hate that because it sounds so cliche. But um, there was almost an instant attraction. When I seen him and he seen me, I think there was almost... It's almost like kind of magnets, you know? On the surface, Tessie McFarland and Josh Maxwell didn't have much in common. Tessie stated, look at this big old guy sitting right next to this little... Okay, hold on. I didn't read the first sentence. (laughs) She was even more attracted to Josh when he proved to be a good parental figure to her son. Tessie stated, look at this big old guy sitting right next to this little bitty kid watching TV and eating cereal at nine in the morning, you know, and hanging out, you know, one in a diaper and one with no shirt on. And they look like the most American thing ever. Wow. Wow. Yeah. She really has a taste for romance. I didn't say which one was wearing a diaper and which one was not wearing a shirt. <laughs> Tessie's mother knew Josh. Carla, see, these are the standards that you need, and you'd find a guy right away. <laughs> right. I'm not going to say white trash, but white trash. Are you saying cartoons are white trash, Danielle? No. Saying? Some of them. Some of them might be. <laughs> Tessie's mother knew Josh was a fucking deadbeat that never worked or paid child support. Does it really say that? Mm, I might have added that for it. <laughs> so I, this irritates the snot out of me. He has kids, but he's being a father to the new girlfriend's kid and More. pretending like his kids don't exist. That's a nice And they're guy. so overcome with, he's a great father. I was like, what about his other kids? He's a great well, father. What about him? What about him? He's a great father to the kids he wants to be. Yeah. When it's convenient for him, he's a great father. Mm-hmm. Still, he was very charismatic with a jailhouse swagger. What? What the fuck? 
He had the walk and the talk and the suave about him. Some people are just bored with it. Some people just have that about them. They can look at you and you can feel everything they're saying and you want to believe them so bad. And now it was 20-year-old Tessie who fell under Josh's spell. I don't know how else to explain that except for that he is, he's very charismatic. He exudes this type of beam of light. You know, I'm like, he, he just almost demands that people notice who he is. What began as an irresistible attraction quickly blossomed into something more. He also enjoyed Tessie working as a stripper. And he could often be found at the topless bar watching her strip for other men. Okay, you weirdo. Okay. Okay. I mean, everyone has their kink. But... Right on. Right on, man. Tessie's mother was frustrated with her daughter's relationship to Josh, alleging that he had twice dropped her and her kid off at a motel so he could go be with other women. So that's an allegation that he's like still screwing around on her, probably with her sister. Unlike Tessie's family, Josh had no problem with her working as a stripper. In fact, he seemed to enjoy it. He loved it when she danced, yeah. He loved it even more when he was right there with her every time she danced. That was a turn on for him. After just a few months of dating, Tessie and Josh moved into a small rental home in Indianapolis. You get caught up in a whirlwind sometimes and you go. And we end up finding a place and uh, moving in together. And uh, it does seem like it's going to work. It was the second chance they'd both been looking for. But Tessie and Josh's happiness would soon be overshadowed by a terrifying series of events. The young couple and Tess's, Tess's, Tessie's baby moved into a home in Speedway, Indiana on 11th Street. Daniel, where's Speedway? Speedway? It's in Indiana. Speedway, Indiana. How <laughs> far is it from central Indianapolis? Like 15 minutes. Like minutes not yeah. even that. Yeah. What is in Speedway, Indiana? Well, can you freaking what, figure it out by yourself? There is a, uh, um, there's a Kroger. There's a fucking yep. Kroger. There's a couple everywhere. Speedway stations. There's, a, there's that a, one Mexican place. There's a nice, fun good. little go-kart track. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit bigger than all those things combined. Look. Well, I... I don't know what you're getting at here. The greatest place on God's green earth, the Indianapolis (laughs) Motor Speedway. Yes, that lives in Speedway, Indiana. The land. Yeah, well, if they had listened to the Speedway Bomber episode, they would know that. Yep, they would. Mm -hmm. The landlord wanted the house fixed up for the Formula One race that would be taking place at the nearby Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I was at that race. Oh, Oh, that's so weird. It's so weird. That is weird. What's weird about it? It was just like connect the the overlap. Yeah. Oh. Who won that race? Michael Schumacher. Okay. Okay. What's his, what's his nationality? German. German. <laughs> the landlord wanted the couple to clean up the residence and get it ready for someone else to probably rent it for the Formula One race. That happens. People rent out their houses mm-hmm. for the race. So people come and stay for the weekend in a house instead of living in their that. car. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. Where will I go? You'd live in your car. Yeah. But this never works out. When you're like, stay here and fix things up, they never fix it up. They never do. So they actually did more damage to the house. And I think at one point, the landlord came to the door and started banging on and be like, what the fuck are you doing? I need you to stop. You're not doing anything I asked you to do. You need to get out. Well, Tessa, come Tessie, 
Tessie comes to the front door and nothing but like a blanket and tries to get the landlord to come into the house. And she's like, well, Josh is just in bed, you know, so if you want to come in and talk to him, you can. He's like, nope, nope. I'm going to avoid the appearance of impropriety. Impropriety. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he was smart. And Speedway used to be a really nice place to live. Used to be? All right. Through a phone dating service, because there was no online dating. <laughs> phone dating. The couple arranged to meet with Robbie Bott, a 45-year-old aircraft mechanic of Mooresville, Indiana, which is south of Indianapolis. Yes. A little bit. A little bit. The couple had hatched a plan to lure men with the promise of sexual relations starting in September of 2000. Man, back in the good old days when you used to be able to barter with sex, you know? <laughs> Without any fear of consequences. Right? Josh. Yeah, never mind. Josh said there was an altercation in which Robbie threatened to kill Tessie. Or maybe it was that he was coming on a little too strong and she yelled for him to get off of him. Off of her. Something like that happened. I'm not real sure. Anyways, Josh came a running and started whooping on Robbie. Because he was defending a woman's honor. Is that honor. how that was wrote? Or did you add that yourself? <laughs> he, he couldn't re remember if it was that he threatened to randomly kill his girlfriend or if it was like, because they were there to have sex. Now, I don't know if she ever had sex with the guys or not, or when it started to be getting close to time that, oh, she's letting them think they're about to have sex and then just screams for her boyfriend and says, he touched me or, you know, mm -hmm. so he gets to beat him up. I mean, it's double fold. Exactly. She, she doesn't have to have sex and he gets to beat him up. Cool. So, because he was defending a woman's honor, after all, they took him hostage after finding some cash and some bank cards at his home. They planned to let him go, but first they forced Robbie to take them on a shopping spree, in which, <laughs> which they bought home decorations, formal wear, and sexy lingerie. Ooh. <laughs> Robbie can be seen on security footage mouthing the words, help me in hopes that someone would see the video and get him out of the situation. So he knows he's in trouble. So on the video, he's just holding on to the shopping cart, like just standing there, stone-faced. Do you have a gun? Mm-mm. They, oh yeah, I'm sure they did. Um, so I would have made him shoot me in public. <laughs> We're doing this right now! Well, no, I mean... <laughs> yeah, to run away. You're either, you're either going to do this, and if you do it in public on cameras you're more than likely going to be caught. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to you just fucking killing me and walking away. Yeah, they're like leaning over on the shopping counters, like picking out jewelry and shit, and he's just standing there holding the shopping cart, uh, staring off into space, and then finally just like... Wait, how did he get himself in this situation? He was meeting... Through the, the online. Call, the, call the, call, the call service, okay. Mm. And then... So they were just... They were there to hit it and quit it. So if he hadn't been looking for pussy... Yeah, that's what the problem is. You know, that's the moral of the story. <laughs> like they say also in the 40-year-old virgin, you're putting that pussy on a pedestal. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. We didn't know tonight was going to be filled with quotes from such a memorable film. Right, yeah. It is eerie, like him mouthing, help me. And I mean, no one is necessarily just sitting there watching that closed circuit camera. I don't know. They took him to the Speedway residence where they locked him into a large plywood box with hinges and a padlock on it. I don't know why the fuck they already had that box. Like, That's why? exactly why you just say, you know what, you're going to shoot me in fucking public. Yeah. I don't. Why do you already have this large box? I don't. 
They're weirdos. A plywood bo- Who just, you don't have a plywood box you can stuff a body into? No, it was body size too. Do I need to get one? Mm. Yes. <laughs> you have a basement. Oh, God. They went on, they continued to max out his credit cards. So they were just like, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. If you get in trouble a little, you might as well go the whole mile, said Josh. It's like, no, that's how you get in. That's called more trouble. Like a little bit of trouble, you know, less time in prison. Yeah. Next, they tied up Robbie, strangled him, and then shot him in the face while he was inside the makeshift coffin. It's a bit extreme. A bit extreme. The couple put Robbie's body in the trunk of his Mercury Cougar and then attempted to clean up the crime scene using muriatic acid on bloodstains, which apparently doesn't really work that well. They burned his car with the body left inside and drained uh. his, and then drained his bank accounts, and they escaped to Texas. Then they thought this was going to work. Yeah. You can't just use someone's credit I mean, cards. I mean, Carla, like- in all seriousness, you know, on paper, this doesn't sound like a bad idea. You know, kind of well thought out. Yeah. I mean, once they put out the blaze and the fire department was like, hey, it's standard procedure for us to pop the trunk. You got to pop the trunk. And I was like, oh, there's a body in the trunk. We should call the police. Well, and it's kind of suspicious when a car's on fire for no reason. Mm-hmm. And At least that's what I, I He must told. have committed suicide by locking himself, himself in the in trunk <laughs> and setting the car on fire. Yep. He, it's possible. When emergency dispatchers received a 911 call... 911, you share Yeah, I work at a shell gas station down by the Ameriplex Plaza. There's a car down there on fire. The only thing that was left was the hood and the headlights. Everything else was torsed. Luckily, firefighters were able to recover the car's license plate number and discovered it was registered to a local man named Robbie Bott. Speedway police are dispatched to Mr. Bott's address. The, I was following that for a second. The car burned up pretty damn good, except for the license the plate. and the belt buckle. The license plate. So what does your license plate tell you if the police were to run it? Numbers. Numbers, and then... And Registration. A, yeah, it tells you who owns the car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they could figure it out pretty quickly. And what kind of person they are, if they have the God, and God We Trust plate or not. Yeah. And if they have, like, you know, specialty... Vanity like, plates? Like a vanity plate or mm-hmm. like uh, like a, they make us say something funny. That's a vanity plate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Investigators found the burning car on September 12th in Marion County, Indiana, which is Indianapolis. When police arrived at his residence, they found the back door of his home ajar in the house in disarray. They couldn't get anyone to answer the door. The front door was locked. Went around to the back. The back door was standing open. It looked like a tornado hit the inside of the house. It was just trash. Stuff was all thrown around. I first thought, okay, someone's maybe burglarized the house. But where was homeowner Robbie Bott? Police learned the answer when they received a call from the firefighters back at the scene of Mr. Bott's burnt car. One of the firemen, he goes, hey, guys, we're going to pop the trunk. It's a formality for them. The last thing we expected was a body to be in that trunk. An autopsy confirmed that the remains were those of Robbie Bott. Fingerprints belonging to Tessie McFarlane and Josh Maxwell were discovered on a vodka bottle, a wine bottle, the refrigerator door, and a pizza box. Sounds like my night. Sounds like they're being (laughs) set up by the police. Yeah. The pizza receipt found in Robbie's bedroom contained Josh's name and address. 
directing authorities to their home in Speedway. Jesus Christ. They're not good at this. It's just not. <laughs> they're not good at this. <laughs> they threw away a receipt with their name and address mm-hmm. on there yep. in the guy's house. Yep. <laughs> They'll never find us. <laughs> the basement of the home smelled strongly of chemicals, and they discovered the wooden box with a spent bullet inside it. And I think the box had, like, a pillow and stuff in it. Like, they were leaving him in this box for a period of time. Yeah. At least they gave him a pillow. Well, that's not enough. Detectives found traces of blood spatter in the hallway and a brown, foamy liquid leading down the basement stairs. It was some sort of an acid that they had poured on the blood to try to, to cover that up or to eat the blood to cover the evidence. It was on every step going to the basement, and then there was a large pool of it there. DNA tests confirmed the blood was Robbie Botts. In the basement was a large wooden box. It had a uh, padlock hasp screwed onto it and some hinges. And then inside it had a pillow. It was a medieval coffin. Robbie Botts' blood is found inside the box, which leads police to believe he was held captive within it. It was apparent he was kept in there for some point in time. And then Mr. Bot was shot in that box. Five weeks later in San Antonio, Texas, the couple put out an ad in the classified section offering a bisexual experience. Woo-woo! Bisexual. Wow. I mean, you gotta up the ante, you know. They were now going by the names Trina Doris and (laughs) Moe. What the fuck? You know, I've always thought if I wanted to have a bisexual experience, it'd be with a guy named Moe. It just sounds really (laughs) uncomfortable. Like, oh, Mo. No. Like, oh, Mo. No, no, no. <laughs> no, Mo, Mo. No, Mo. I'd be the entire time thinking of Bart Simpson prank calling Mo. <laughs> 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 yeah. Wow, what a life. She contacted a man named Robert Brown, who was their next mark. And isn't September 12th your birthday? No, bitch. That was October 12th. (laughs) (laughs) This whole time I was researching this, I thought it was your birthday. (laughs) (laughs) No, bitch. That was the best. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I don't have to remember your birthday. (laughs) You You think you'd remember that my birthday was like the day after... 9-11. 9-11. Yeah. But it's not, you know, no, it's not. It's so. closer. Maybe I was thinking of your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's your birthday, right? No, it's closer. It's closer. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a bit aggressive on my end. <laughs> sorry. I'm going to dial it back just <laughs> a little gonna, bit. I'm going to bring it back. No. <laughs> Robert didn't have much money, so they just stayed in his apartment for a, for a while, had him drive them around, and stole a few things. So Robert is getting off lucky. I'm liking this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I gotta switch some things up. <laughs> Tessie also used Robert's phone to set up a date through a meetup call line with a man called Rudy Lopes, also 45 years old. Lopes took them out for food and bought Tessie a sexy negligee. <laughs> However, the couple soon turned the tables on him, took him hostage, and drained his bank accounts. But what the couple didn't know was that Lopes was a Bexar County. Sheriff Sergeant. Oh, they gonna go looking for Oopsies. him. Oh no, there's certain there's just some people you shouldn't mess with. How do they do that? 
<laughs> and he, is he undercover or is he in for the uh, for the experience? He was there for the experience. Oh, so. Okay, well, you know, I'm pretty sure that I never read anything about being undercover. One month later, a group of kids discovered a body thrown behind a broken privacy fence in the back of a strip mall. The body had been bound with a telephone cord, blindfolded, and had one bullet wound through the top of his head. The 9mm bullet entered the top of the man's head, exited his chin, re-entered his body through his chest, and lodged between his sternum and his heart. So I, I know shot him up here? Yeah, but I think he was probably on his knees in front yeah. of him in, instead of being shot like between the eyes. eyes. Okay, so yeah, he was probably looking down like his chin, you know, farther down. And, but it was odd. To, I hadn't heard that before, a shot in the uh, top of your but- head. When you like bend your head like that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I, I actually did that too, I bent my head. I was like, oh, okay. I gotta then. figure out how this works. Yep. <laughs> Rudy Lopes's wife had filed a missing person report with the local police as soon as her husband didn't come home that first night. The body was able to be identified as that of the missing sheriff. Investigators went through security camera footage at his bank and saw a young blonde leaning out of his driver's seat window withdrawing money from an ATM. Mm. So. I feel so. They were driving the cop's car around. It's a truck, but it was the cop's car. Yeah, but they didn't know he was a cop. I know, but other people would have been like, "Isn't that?" It wasn't his police car. No, I know, but oh yeah, they they could still be like, "Isn't that so and so's truck?" Yeah, and I feel really bad for his wife. Like she found out her husband was cheating on her and dead all at the same time. Uh huh. Yeah, maybe she would wish him dead after that, but I don't think she seemed really sad. And she said he was. Really always very punctual, so she knew right away yeah. when he didn't come home that something was wrong. And, of course, it came as a shock. I uh, didn't know what to do. I couldn't believe it. According to Alma, Rudy was a kind husband who was beloved by everyone, including many of the prisoners he guarded. He's like uh, that saying, big teddy bear, you know, type, because he was tall. And he was just really gentle, uh, loving, caring. He ended up being my everything. Alma tells police that her husband was always extremely punctual. So when Rudy was late coming home from work on October 11th, she immediately began to worry. Me in my head kept thinking he's at a second job that maybe he didn't tell anybody and just went to work. I just try to keep that in my head. Keep thinking that he's fine. You know, he's going to come home. Tessa, Tessie, had also been, <laughs> had been putting in applications in the area at a local strip club to supplement their income in between robbing and killing men. She had used the driver's license of Trina Doris on her paperwork. So the detectives in Texas... That's the best fake name she could come up with. I think it was... Hold on. So the detectives in Texas were worried that the couple from Indiana and the murderers in Texas were not one and the same because your guys are Tessie and so-and-so and and down here we've got Trina. These people are clearly too stupid to even try to use a fake name. (laughs) Investigators obtained copies of Rudy's credit card and bank statements. They're specifically interested in his purchases during the 24 hours before he went missing. Nothing really stood out in those credit card statements except one entry. And one entry was to a Fredericks of Hollywood. There was a negligee that he bought at Fredericks. Of course, when you see that, you don't know, is he buying something for his wife? 
We did have to go back and talk to his wife and ask her to find out whether she knew about it, and she knew nothing about it at all. Number of telephone calls to several motels and hotels along the I-35 corridor in San Antonio. Uh, one was Motel 6. And thinking that, okay, I've got him buying a negligee, I got an ATM the day of his murder, I've got him calling hotels the day before he's killed, maybe there's some connection there, and let's take this picture of the individual that we have making the ATM withdrawal and go talk to the individuals in these hotels and see if they can give us any information. We went to the Motel 6, and the clerk who had worked there, and she goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, this looks like Trina Doris. And when we looked at the registration book, Trina Doris's name was there. Once you have a picture and then you have names, that's like the jackpot. Until the Speedway detective sought out the real Trina Doris, who happened to be the friend and ex-girlfriend of Josh and Tessie. Every girl is Josh's ex-girlfriend. Apparently. And she was a looker, this one. That's what I couldn't understand. They showed that and I was like, she, they, she would not be allowed to strip. Mm-mm, they wouldn't. They wouldn't let her. Mm-mm. But it wasn't really her. It was a fake or it was her friend's driver's license. So they got sent the accurate pictures of the couple to Texas to Texas investigators, allowing them to finally identify the criminals. So we know who they are. But where are they? Who is they? Who what is, is they? they? Josh and Tessie drove 1700 miles away to San Francisco in the sheriff's new gold four-door Chevrolet pickup truck. It is a very obvious vehicle. God damn. I can't handle these people. Hang on. Okay. This is what I thought of when you said that. Clifford. Whoa. Who is it's that a, singing? Martin Short. Oh, yeah. really? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think it's a movie, if you look it up on IMDb, it has an incredibly low score, but I <laughs> thought it was funny growing up. So did my dad. <laughs> yep, a 5.3. Oh. So they're in the sheriff's very new gold pickup truck. Lovely. About a week later, on October 17th, after your birthday... <laughs> At about 4.30 p.m. her birthday was in September. <laughs> yep, yep. You've been no. saying all week her birthday was in September. Okay, first of and all. And I'm like, no, it's even... not. And you're like, it's my sister. I think I no, know her no. birthday. Yeah. I think I know. <laughs> first of all, <laughs> clearly not a Virgo. Come on. Mm, no. Daniel's a Virgo. Yes. Not anymore. What? Oh, a Virgo. Not a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> The stolen truck was spotted running a red light, speeding through an intersection and almost hitting a pedestrian. Pedestrian. Yes. So what did we say, like with Ted Bundy? Minor traffic. Minor traffic. Yes. And it gets you busted every time. Officers Joseph Juarez. Mm -mm. Joseph Juarez. 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 Joseph Juarez (laughs) and Jesus Penny. So I'm assuming that's Jesus, (laughs) right? Isn't it Jesus? Yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, they pulled the truck over and exited their vehicles like you would in a normal traffic stop. 
They approached the rear of the truck, asking the male driver to turn off his engine. The driver instead drove away and led them on a chase through downtown <gasps> San Francisco. This never works. Mm-mm. Halfway through the chase, the driver of the truck shot at them. The bullet hit the officer's windshield and came within inches of striking Officer Juarez. Mm-mm. Juarez. Juarez. <laughs> Just to say Officer J. Officer J. Glass from the windshield sprayed the inside of the police car and scratched one of the officer's eyes. Two dozen police cars became involved in the chase that crossed over into the police department parking lot at one point. The driver continued shooting at police and the police returned fire. At one point, the driver reached out the window and flipped off the pursuing cops. Like, motherfucker, motherfucker. The chase finally ended when the truck became stuck in traffic. Classic San Francisco. During the gunfight, Tessie McFarlane was struck in the neck with a stray bullet and she was rushed to the hospital while Josh Maxwell was taken into custody. In the truck, they found Lopez's badge, credit cards, and his Glock pistol. Tessie was in surgery for a total of 10 hours, but as soon as she recovered, she was in a hospital bed, handcuffed to it, and then promptly taken to jail. That sucks. Yeah. It didn't look like much. It was just a scratch on her neck, but I guess they had to repair some shit. Kind of sur- it's one thing to wake up in a hospital bed. Mm. It's another thing to wake up chained to the hospital bed. Mm. You'd be like, oh, man, I thought it was all a bad dream. Josh agreed to give a recorded statement to police confessing to all of the crimes and even discussed his crimes with the captain of the Speedway Police Department over the phone. So he was like, hey, I'm here. I, I'm just, I pride myself on being real. I'm a real guy. I have jailhouse swag, and I'm here to tell you how it is. <laughs> Josh doesn't deny committing the crimes, but he claims that murder had never been his intention. I just really planned on robbing him. And what did you tell him to Whatever amount of money that I can get from him, that's what I wanted. The motivation for this was, was financial. According to Josh, starting a new life with Tessie had been harder than he anticipated. Money had been scarce, and Tessie's dancing couldn't pay the bills. They were looking to get by day to day. They were living life day to day, getting money anyhow they could. I was there, cracking back, and when I grabbed on the door, I heard her holler for me. I could hear that it was like something wrong. He said something like, I'm gonna I grabbed him, and I got like a couple kicks. suspicious of Josh's story since he makes no mention of forcing Robbie into the makeshift coffin in the couple's basement. Like with Robbie Bott, Josh claims his intention had been to let Rudy go unharmed until something unexpected happened. Once again, investigators aren't buying Josh's story. My theory at the time, and it hasn't changed, was that both Robbie Bott and Rudy Lopes were murdered, so there wouldn't be any witnesses. 
While Josh was in the Bexar County Jail awaiting trial, he began banging on the cell door at 6.10 p.m. on September 1st, 2001. So he's been in jail for like a year now. Okay. And he behaves like every other inmate does, like an impatient child. Mm-hmm. That could kill you. He told a corrections officer he was upset about not receiving his account balance earlier that day. So your books or how much money you have on your account means, you know, what you get to buy, like Flaming Hot Cheetos and Gatorade. When the CO told Josh he would get his account balance for him later, Josh became more upset and began banging on the door even harder. He called the officer a black motherfucking not word I'm going to say. Never will say that word. And he said he would bust his face if he could get out of his cell. He also said if he could get out of this cell, he'd kill him just like he killed his homeboy Lopez. The CO told Josh to calm down. (laughs) His homeboy. Man. Then Josh used a pleading type voice to mimic how Lopez had begged for his life, stating repeatedly, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Shut up, bitch. I'm going to kill you anyway. So he was reenacting his crime in his cell (laughs) with like with himself. I don't like it. No, it's really bad. Hmm. It's so bad. Two years later. A Bexar County jury found Josh Maxwell guilty of capital murder, and the judge sentenced him to death. Damn. What do they say about Texas? If you kill one of us, we will kill you right back. Like, you don't want to commit capital murder in Texas. No. Next, he was put on trial in Indiana, for which he received 65 years for murder, three years for confinement, 20 years for arson, and three years for theft. I didn't really understand. I I don't understand why they double prosecute people. Like he's getting the death penalty anyways. But they said it was in case the death penalty, like it fell they through. They did the same thing to Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Well, on appeal. What if they make, well, I don't know. What if the laws change or something or like. Yeah. Or if he appealed and won. Yeah. And exactly. he no longer. It would have been the same kind of thing if they would have had Charles Manson pinned mm-hmm. outside of another state when California said, oh, you can't get the death penalty. They're like, come on what? over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He stayed in Texas. To serve a sentence because, and he was, and they did that trial first because it was a capital punishment crime of a an officer. And as we know, that's like automatic death penalty. Yeah. As for Tessie McFarland, her defense was simple. She was forced to engage in these heinous criminal acts by her lover. Yep. Every time. He slept with a gun under the pillows. He handcuffed me to every single thing I ever touched. You do what you have to do to survive. Don't think I didn't think about leaving him in the middle of the night trying to get help. No. I don't believe it. No. I don't believe it. They were having fun. Now, this is something completely different and new and exciting. And it's almost, you know, like I said, the shiny object in the room. It's like, wow, I've never done that before, you know. I've never even liked anybody like that before. But according to Tessie, it didn't take long to realize Josh's bad boy image was more than skin deep. Corroborating Josh's statement... Tessie claims she'd gone along with his kidnapping scheme out of desperation and that she had no idea he was going to kill anyone. After Robbie Bott's murder, she says she tried to leave, but Josh wouldn't let her. People are going to ask, well, why didn't you leave while he was asleep? It's impossible. He pushed up against the door. It was either too heavy for me to move, or if I did move it, it would make noise and he would wake up. Don't think I didn't think about leaving in the middle of the night trying to get help. You shut down. You do what you have to do to survive. I can remember writing a small note at a hotel lobby and hoping that somebody would get it. Just dropped it behind me, hoping that somebody would pick it up and read it. 
Tessie claims she went out of her way to be seen on camera, hoping she'd be recognized and rescued by police. I never changed my appearance, never dyed my hair even. You know, that's something you hear of first, the first thing a woman does is they change their hair, they get contacts. I never did any of those things. Anything that I participated in was because I had to in order to be sitting here right now. The police weren't convinced that Tessie wasn't as innocent as she claimed. And when they found a video camera with the videos of the couple having fun on the run, getting high and recording some X-rated videos. So he's got one of the mid-90s on the shoulder camera with the little (laughs) eye. Maybe if I just get a little high. (laughs) <laughs> the little eyepiece flips out. I oh, mean, they love to videotape themselves. And he looks like the guy in Natural Born Killers. That's what he looks like. Only heavier, like stockier yeah. looking, bald head, the weird little red sunglasses in weird Ooh. little like circle sunglasses and talking into the camera all threatening and intimidating or f- watching or flirting with her and recording everything. And obviously, on the episodes, they did not show the X-rated videos, but I'm sure some police officers got to watch them. i I mean i'm sure i don't know if it was a popcorn and movie type thing or if it was only like one or two guys got to see it and while he was on the run tess and josh recorded themselves they're actually enjoying themselves you know after they've killed somebody her being involved you know why didn't she get out why didn't she stop why didn't she tell why didn't she get away Others are them just sitting around getting high. Very detrimental in court for them due to the lack of showing any remorse through these videos um, while being on the run. Tessie McFarlane took a plea deal in exchange for the death penalty being taken off the table and for her agreement to testify at her boyfriend's trial. She is now serving a life sentence in the Gatesville, Texas Correctional Facility. She is now 40 years old, and her earliest possible release date is 2040, when she will be 63 years old. That's not life sentence, though. Mm-mm. Not really. I, yeah. So, and I think she might have. I don't know if she got also like 30 years in Indiana. I couldn't. I wasn't really sure if they prosecuted her as well. I mean, because she was just as complicit. And she stated that she has no ill will towards Josh, said that he still loved Tessie. His biggest regret is that she got in trouble for what he made her do. Biggest regret, not the two Not the killing. He was trying, and you know, I've seen this in a number of cases where the boyfriend or the, the, the co-conspirator will take all the blame because I'm caught. I'm the one that pulled the trigger. I'm the one that actually killed him. But you're in, involved, and so I'm going to minimize your involvement to hope you can get away with it completely or get a lesser sentence or get something different than I do. You're not going to get the death penalty that I'm going to get. And that's what he was going for. Uh, he knew that we knew that she was involved. He was just doing, in his mind, when you talk about he wanted respect from us uh, and how we treated him, he was doing what he thought in his criminal mind was the honorable thing. I'm going to take the fall for my woman because... She's got a baby. She's got a child. She doesn't need to go to jail. doesn't make any difference that the fact that she's involved in Indianapolis up to her throat and is probably going to get, would probably get the death penalty in Indianapolis, but he's going to save her here. And that's what he was trying to do. And I think he also said, my friend knows that your son is at your mom's house. And if you leave me, I'll tell him to come and kill your whole family. So that was the argument. And I think he was trying to back that up to do her a favor, but no one cared. 
it just wasn't true. Mm -hmm. And she has had no further contact with her son since. Damn. And I think he's living with the baby daddy. Yikes. Josh Maxwell was executed on March 11, 2010 in Texas. Yeah, Texas, I mean, it doesn't take as long either in Texas. Apparently not. Yeah, they do. And like here, we have people 15 years or more waiting on death row. And they were like, set him up, knock him down. His last words. Knock him deep in His last words. Don't say that. I'm sorry. It's just Don't say it. Not in this house. What? Not in this house. (laughs) I'm Monica Peck, and this is the Sisters of Savings. (laughs) (laughs) His last words were, I hurt a lot of people with the decisions I made. I can't be more sorry than I am right now. This person who did that 10 years ago isn't the same person you see today. I want to address you. I am sorry. I don't know who you are. I am sorry. I put you through some things that I can't take back. But then he addressed the fact that he was being executed, creating more victims. There is This is not going to change anything. To my son, I hurt the Lopes family. Let this be a lesson. Your decisions affect everybody. Look after your sister for me. Damn. Yeah. He's sorry he got caught. His last meal, any guesses? McDonald's. I know what it is, so I can't okay. say. Why? Because he looked it up. Don't feel betrayed. It's okay. (laughs) His last meal was six pieces of fried chicken with ketchup, three bacon cheeseburgers, six red Mountain Dews, a brownie, and french fries. The dangerous couple's thrill killing was done simply for money and amusement. They knew what they were doing, and they did not care. Sounds about right. Until they got caught, because that's when most everyone cares. And I think they said he really was a sociopath, that he just didn't give a fuck. He was killing for For fun. Hmm. And that's all I got. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. I feel if he had been gotten the death penalty in Indiana, he might still be on death row here. Yeah, that's yeah. very possible. I bet she would have gotten the same deal, life without parole, which ends up being some type of parole in a weird way at 63. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Couples that kill. Happy Valentine's Day, listeners. That's why I picked that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They love stinks. Go to Hooters. <laughs> you could fall in love at Hooters. Who You're knows? Right. Catch me at the local Hooters. I fell in love with Hooters. What? <laughs> what? All you of said, them. said, who, who, who? Hoosiers? Hoosiers? Oh, we're, I started a Facebook page just for our Patreon members. So I'm going to announce that on right. Patreon too. It's so, lit. It's lit. So we can all talk and be Because I don't like our Facebook page for the podcast is just like the same information I put up maybe on Instagram, but with maybe more pictures or links to stuff. Because on Instagram, you can't put links to anything. Mm-hmm. So and Facebook, you know, may not be as trendy as it used to be. That's still relevant, I think. Well, but we don't have a closed group. Facebook. Like a... mm-hmm. Facebook has certainly fallen off the face of the earth from... Hey, How popular it used to be, you remember know. when you couldn't get it until you had a college email username. I remember that too. Mm-hmm. And the moment I got it, I was like, "Hook me up, hook me up." And then, and then it like expanded to high school, and I was like, "Sweet, I can get one next year." Mm-hmm. <laughs> next year. <laughs> uh, my boyfriend at the time didn't appreciate that I got Facebook though, because he was a year older, so mm-hmm. he could do whatever he wanted on Facebook, and I couldn't see it. But then I got it. 
<laughs> and I got it. <laughs> Oops. And that's what they call history. Because mm. it's in the past. So yeah, a lot of podcasts have closed groups, but I was going to make one just for our Patreon members because they're the bomb.com. Oh, yeah, I all you all have day. to do is ask Carla and she'll send you a personalized photo of her butthole. <laughs> you did draw we that did do one that. Time. Yeah, draw, drew a butthole. Who'd you send that Monica. to? Monica. I'm pretty sure it was Monica got it. She's from Jasper, Indiana. Wow. (laughs) I don't know what she did with it. Who knows? She probably was like, It better be sitting on your fridge. (laughs) She probably was like, this is not art, but (laughs) I'll keep it anyway. Uh, Maybe she is of the, it's the thought that counts. I, yeah. I mean, I put some work into it. I had, I had a thought. I had a vision. I thought it was well done. Yeah. This execution really. Don't say execution. (laughs) What? Yeah, Carla. Sorry, was that insensitive? No class. No class. No class. Yeah, no class, but some ass. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Tell them where to find us because we keep forgetting to do that. (laughs) You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hoosier Homicide, on Facebook, Obsies, because we're just talking about that. Mm -hmm. And then you can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and Stetchar. Yes. And for honest to goodness, stay out of the corn. Your birthday's in October. Oh my God, sorry. (laughs) I was going to become a victim also, and he was going to make sure of it. I'm a completely different person than I was 18 years ago, and I'm absolutely proud to say that.